Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, alongside me tonight. How you doing tonight, Elliot? Oh, man. Did it, did it snow up there today or over there? I always think it is up, but it's not. It's over. <laughs> uh, no, it just it rained. Snow. We had blowing. It was 80 degrees yesterday, and we had blowing snow today. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. That's it's crazy. Unbelievable. I saw on like uh, somewhere uh, on social media that it was calling for like multiple feet in certain places in North Dakota today. Yeah, which is really really good. I mean, we want them to get tons of moisture, so hopefully they'll get loaded up and get all the moisture that they need during all this thing for the duck numbers next year. Yeah, that's crazy. For sure. Yeah, it really is. But like you said, I've it's got, good. You, know, you know what I've got coming up this Saturday? Simulated duck hunt number two. Nice. Fumbles did, and I are taking the boat blind out. Did the first one ever come out? No, it was garbage. We got skunked. Well, uh, Little okay, Slayer okay. said that he killed a couple. And I accidentally That's deleted right. some of the footage of it. So I was going to see what I could get out of it. But I was in a rush to film something else, and I forgot that I hadn't dumped an SD card out, and I deleted it. But it was garbage. I mean, who wants to see a simulated duck hunt where you don't shoot hardly anything? <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Simulated yeah, duck hunting skunk. <laughs> there was mallards everywhere. I didn't. I didn't put enough effort into it. What do problem. you think? That's the whole thing. What do you think the click rate would have been through if you titled it "Simulated Duck Hunting Skunk"? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You never know. That might have piqued some interest. Yeah, might have piqued some interest. Might have. I would have tried to put it into a video had I had I not accidentally deleted all the big camera footage. But this is I don't know. I think we have mostly blue wing teal around right now, so it should be somewhat similar to last year. We're going to take the boat blind out, um, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm looking forward to it though. Nice. And you got any uh, duck hunting updates besides that in the in the works right now? Uh no, not not really. My mind, honestly, I've been thinking more about turkeys than ever. I, in fact, I spent a good part of the workday today daydreaming about you know that whole thing where I was talking about going in and camping mm-hmm. back in there at Pelican. I I was I spent a lot of time daydreaming about that today and just doing it by myself where I just went in there for like two nights and just like the whole time is just kill a turkey and film the whole thing. And so that's been consuming a lot of my mind. I'm not sure whether it'll happen or not, but I've definitely been spending quite a bit of time thinking about it. Awesome. Yeah. You need to, you need to get in there and make it happen. That'd be a, I think that would actually be a, an exciting video or a series too, especially in off season. Um, yeah. A little, little different. So that'd be cool. Yeah, I think so too. I would I would boat in um in the dark Friday night and have just my little bivy tent and whatever supplies I need, get up Saturday, do whatever I could to try to locate where they were roosting and 
obviously if I could shoot one Saturday, I would, but the idea of Saturday would be find out where they're roosting and then Sunday morning be on them and just spend that entire weekend in the woods and video the, the whole process and the whole time. And I, I think it'd be fun. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm really feeling just kind of exhausted from work. So the idea of being all alone in the woods for Friday night, Saturday and Sunday seems really restorative to my soul. That's really what I'm daydreaming about. Oh yeah. In a way. So I'm kind of struggling. I love it. I love it. Like this time of this time of year and this type of weather where it's like just warm enough that it feels warm, but not so warm that you're sweating and, yeah, it's just like uh, it's a good time of year. And like, I love getting out in back outside. You know, um, it's kind of I was joking with uh, one of my buddies the other day, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm getting like cabin fever, uh, being cooped up all winter. But it's like really, I've been cooped up since like you know the middle of February when we stopped goose hunting. But uh, yeah, you just it, yeah, it's great to get out, and especially it'd be fun to do like a camp like that. Um, and, and get back after something, you know? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm in the need. I'm in becoming in the serious need of like a new partner. Cause it's like my dad's to the point where with his age, he can't do a lot of these trips. Aiden's away. And I was telling my wife this other day, it's like some of these things that I want to do, I, I got like no one to even call and be like, you want to go do this? And I don't mind doing it by myself, but you know, it's always more fun with a buddy that's as, yep excited which for me has always been my dad Mm -hmm. and he could probably do that he he could probably do that uh, turkey thing but he's just getting to the point where you know i mean it's just harder for him to get around and aiden's gone i was kind of having a little pity party i'm like i need a new friend (laughs) well just come on over to indiana (laughs) no that's not the solution you need to abandon your all of your family minus your wife and your children don't worry about your kids' relationship with any relatives, and bring them on down for hunting. Yeah, that'd be that'd be tough to do, but I'm sure that the uh, the outcome as far as hunting would be uh, uh, beneficial. So. Or strike it rich, make so much money with Duck Gun Chronicles that you can have two houses. Yeah, Kansas house, Indiana house, and you a know. jet to go in between. Well, man, we'd have to be a we'd have to be killing it, killing it. But yeah, that'd be like getting the lottery. Yeah. Yeah, but I do I do have something to add to your uh turkey talk we we're talking about. So um I've actually had you said you're daydreaming. Well I've been actually actually dreaming about turkey hunting. So I had the uh one of the most strangest dreams when it comes to turkey hunting that I've uh had, I guess hunting in general where you wake up and you remember it and it's like super vivid in your mind still. But anyways, so um, this was two nights ago and I was turkey hunting and I was turkey hunting in my old neighborhood, like at my parents' house. And I'm like sitting in the yard and I, and I live in a, I grew up in a subdivision. So um, not where you would turkey hunt. And I looked across the street and the neighbor's tree was just chocked full of turkeys and they're like dropping out of the tree, coming right towards me like strutting around. Um, and it was like just the weirdest uh, thing because it was like almost like a festival. There were so many people hunting in my parents' neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and so this turkey gets like within like five yards of me and I just sprint at it full force. And uh, you ever have like a dream like where you could dunk or something like that? 
Like you just, well, I've had dreams where I thought I couldn't failed at it. <laughs> I'm a failure in my dreams. <laughs> well, I've had it's dreams like real life. where you get like supernatural abilities and all of a sudden, like you can just like, I'm like Tomahawk dunking like Michael Jordan. Right. So it's like, uh, it's like the same thing. Like I go up for this Turkey and it's like, I'm flying, I'm jumping so high <laughs> and I just grab it by the bottom of its feet, <laughs> hang on and bring it down to the ground. And, uh, <laughs> And that's what my dream consisted of me, like running around, jumping. It was dead, like on impact from like the fall. But like, (laughs) like that was my dream. I was just running around and like, then like I'd see these people because there's just all these people like it's a festival. Um, And I'm like bragging about this turkey I caught in the air. And then like I go like crouch and I'm like hiding in like bushes and here comes another turkey. And I just sprint out at it and jump as high as I can. (laughs) And it's like unreal. Like you're jumping like twice your height at least. Oh, that's the best turkey hunting dream I've ever heard about. (laughs) Yeah. So that was it. And I woke up. So speaking of awesome dreams, did you see the video I posted on Fellowship of the Duck Guns Facebook group? Which one was uh which one was that? About the goose? About the goose that oh. attacked that girl? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I'm serious. That has been a lifelong dream of mine to have a goose come at me. Like, cause you see these videos of these, you know, geese that come at people and they run like they're little little girls. I mean, they just run in terror. And I've yeah. always been telling them, if a goose comes at me like that, it's on, right? That's why I've like you just I grab it by the neck. Like, Right. Well, that girl crossed that river on that log, and she's on that island, and that's a pretty good size. It was, I think it was a girl, wasn't it? I couldn't even quite tell. I think it was a girl. I thought it was a dude, but... All right. Well, I'm not... Anyway, one of the two. And this goose comes flying at him, her, and she he squares up. <laughs> this goose is flying <laughs> right at him, tries with the left and misses, and then comes with a right hook and just connects solid. And that goose, like, tumbles. Disa- it just up. disappeared. Th- disappears never i don't to think be it ever again. got up yeah <laughs> that was awesome that just that's been that that person lived my dream yeah that was oh pretty- man i loved i loved that video you guys can see that on fellowship of the duck guns facebook group get over there and sign up to that and check it out i mean that was awesome yeah it was all righty well our guest for tonight is going to be chris jobman um the trainer the owner and trainer of Flatlander Kennels, and you guys know Elliot, or Elliot's stellar dog, Georgie. And that's where she came from. So um, it should be a good one. It always is. Chris Jobman, uh, super interesting guest, and we're excited to have him on. But before that, let's go ahead and get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, on X, I'll say it again for turkey because we're right around the turkey season, but um, I have that thing open in the palm of my hand on my phone looking up property. You can tap right on it. You can see the landowner's tax information. Drive right to their door, knock on it, get a yes or no, and you just know right away. So it's it's the quickest, easiest way to get more hunting property or permission um, right there in the palm of your hand. So pick it up. You won't regret it. It'll help you out on your hunting endeavors. As Motion Ducks decoy spreader system, it is the best jerk rig style of motion system that has ever been invented as far as I'm concerned. I have switched over to it as has Jordan, and it is with us on almost every single hunt. Go and check it out. It's a new 
motion system. You can either use four or seven decoy spray. You can actually build it big. You can add on and add on. And the guys at Motion Ducks, I, I believe they said they're using like 24 on this thing. I mean, you can continue to build it bigger and bigger to where your entire spread is set up if you want to. It's fantastic. Motion Ducks decoy spreader system. Product code for 10% off is Duck Gun 2020, no spaces. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to Tetra Hearing. Um, guys, another another great product for the turkey season. Um, they they have specific ones for turkey hunting as well where it is programmed so that you can hear the, the sound waves that turkey make. Um, and that stuff's not going to get blocked out. But when the gun goes boom or if you're hunting with a buddy and their gun goes boom, it's going to be able to block that out. You're not going to have any hearing loss, which is which is great as hunters. Um, we all know some of the old timers that have those issues, and they're always saying "huh" and "what." And you know, I hope that our generation can be one of the first ones to kind of change that and normalize wearing hearing protection. Um, so check them out, guys. TetraHearing.com. As if you love what Jordan and I are doing here with this podcast and on our YouTube channels, and you want to support us, one of the ways that you can do it is just by using these products that we're talking to you guys about that really helps us out another way if and if you want extra content is to go over to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting jordan and i over there put extra content that you either never see on youtube or you see it on patreon way before you see it on youtube and we are gearing up for year two of the hunt giveaway and if you want to get entered in that the only way you can do it is patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting head over there check out what we've got going on and if it's something you like sign up and start earning entries to the hunt giveaway it's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting yep and to add on to that this year we're going to be taking the old duck bus that is that is the plan so it's going to be a lot of fun um to get one of you guys out there with me and elliot and in the duck bus um but also to add on that, Elliot, I haven't told you this yet, but I had the power steering pump went out on the duck bus. Ooh. So <laughs> the first you, you think you buy one of these things and it's going to be like a set price, but you got vehicles and vehicles always have issues. So uh, yep. I got a fresh, a brand new power steering pump and the new lines because it was rusted out. So, um, well, you better keep that thing tip top shape for me and our winner. Yeah. Because that, I'll give the winner dibs to snuggling with you in, in your little single bed there. Oh, uh, that's not dibs. that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that would that'd be a, a much higher price than <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Don't plan on that. <laughs> yeah. So um but yeah. It is it is back in running condition, getting everything, you know. I'm trying to get this stuff ahead of the curve before hunting season and all that, which I got plenty of time, but um, all right. Continuing on, uh, also like to give a big thanks to Banded.com. Another, hey, I'm getting all the turkey ones, Elliot. Um, Banded.com. I think they're known for their waterfowl more, but they do have, uh, you know, their their other thing that they're big into is the turkey hunting, um, and they do have some new products this year. One thing uh, that I've been eyeballing a lot is the ghillie jackets they came out, which are awesome for your like run and gun style. Um, they got the turkey vests and all that, and I've actually geared up this season with um, all brand new obsession camo turkey stuff. I mean, I've I've just been feeling a little extra, you know. I know you probably can just wear your waterfall camo, but sometimes you want to be cool, and Banded can help you out with that. Um, you feel cool, you look cool. 
Um, and hopefully that's good enough to get me a turkey this year. So um, check them out, guys. Banded.com. All right. Uh, yeah, I just I just finished. Uh, I just purchased some retrieval dummies from Avery Sporting Dog. Some orange ones. So good deal. Got those coming in soon. All righty, let's go ahead and get Chris in here, and we'll um, jump into the main part of the podcast. All righty, fellas, we are back, and our guest for tonight we got Chris Jobman. He is the owner and head trainer of Flatlander Kennels, and as many of you know, Georgie Elliott's retriever is a flatlander kennel dog so how are you doing tonight chris good guys how are you doing great can't complain you know it is off season um as far as waterfowl goes i guess there's no off season uh, when it comes to dog training but um can't complain good awesome so let's uh let's jump into hear a little bit about how your hunting season went this this year man we had a great hunting season um we did a little bit of something different this year. You know, I own Duck Haven Outfitters, which was a guiding outfit. And um, I actually ended up putting the kibosh on that because I got tired of the guiding deal. And I got, to be quite honest with you, man, I got tired of the babies and, and um, you know, holding everybody's hand and that sort of thing and trying, you know, trying to make everybody happy. Um, it, it got a little old. So what we did, what I did was I made it a real exclusive club. Um, it's called the duck Haven club and, uh, we got our lodge and all the ground and all that thing. And we have less than 10 members and it's just a bunch of friends that get together and hunt. And, uh, we had an unbelievably good time. We had a ball. Um, you know, it's just like hunting with your buddies. You know, you see them every day. We go every day. They come in the lodge, you spend as much time as they want. And our hunting was phenomenal. We had fantastic hunting, um, and the crazy thing about it is the duck numbers beat the goose numbers, but it was pretty dang close. I'll bet it was it was almost fifty fifty, which was it was a phenomenal year for us. That's awesome. I'm sure you got you could probably tell pretty uh some pretty uh, crazy stories with your with your guiding um, thing and uh <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it was just too much for me, man. I I couldn't you know you you'd go out with five guys and you'd shoot. You know, our duck limit in Nebraska is 30. You know, you shoot 25 mallards, and we'd shoot, you know, let's just say we would shoot 27 ducks, and they'd be like, oh, man, we didn't get our limit today. You know, that sort of thing. And that, that just got old. I, that really got old, and, and I, you know, I just got kind of tired of it. And, and um, I went back to, you know, having fun and making it at a club and, you know, getting to go every day and, you know, that sort of thing. We, we had a ball with it. That's awesome. So, so Chris, did you find yourself actually hunting more than this year than you had been? I hunted more person? this year. I hunted more this year than I ever have in my entire life. That's awesome, and that's saying something. We have a we Nebraska has about with 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 duck season and goose season. We have almost a hundred and ten day waterfowl season with no split. Mm, nice. Um, and I bet I hunted, I think I counted, I can't remember, I bet I hunted 70, 70 days at least. Wow. Probably more. Probably more. That's awesome. Probably more. Yeah, we had a ball. And, you know, my son is, my oldest son, Caden, he's super involved in it. My youngest son's starting to get really involved in it. And um, I'm not a field goose hunter by no means, shape, no way, shape, or form. I would do it. But you know what? My oldest son, he's, he's 20. 
he, he takes those guys and he goes out in the field and they shoot ducks and they shoot geese and corn and meadows and, and he kind of runs that whole show out there and I do the river stuff and I jump in the pit with them and he calls a shot out there and it just, a, we have a ball, you know, one of the guys that works for me, Andrew, um, he's one of my dog trainers. He's involved in a club real heavy and they do a lot of the, they do a lot of the work and take the guys and, and, you know, when we guided, when we guided, I didn't really guide much, but when we guided, we like, we kind of let sit, stuff sit, you know, and not, not hunt it, you know, new groups are coming in that sort of thing. And, and our guides never shot with the other hunters. They just shot the cripples and, you know, that sort of thing. So it takes away from kind of the whole experience of it. And so I didn't get to go hunting as much as I wanted to this time. It's just, I went every day, every day, like literally every day. And, um, when I had club members in town, they went with us. And when they didn't, we still went, um, it was, we had a ball. That sounds like, uh, and all the guys are like friends. Everybody's a friend. So, you know, nobody really knew each other coming into the season. And by the end of the season, we had a super tight knit group of guys and we go all in a big group, you know, big group, um, text messages and pictures. And we, you know, if somebody wasn't in camp, we'd rub it in. They weren't there. And, I mean, we had a, we had a ball. Yeah, I bet, man. That does, that sounds like a, a pretty cool way to do it right there. Um, getting to go that much and, and having your, making new friends. And, and like you said, just, especially if you have a killer year, man, it's just, that's a, uh, we, we had a, we, we, we couldn't have had a better year. I mean, we hunted really, really hard. And, and the, you know, what we do is we, you know, we don't even shoot 12 gauges. So if you shoot a 12 gauge in our club, man, we make fun of you so bad. <laughs> Yeah, we, we shoot 20 and 28 and 410s. You know, we don't shoot anything unless it's decoying in the decoys, you know, and we let, you know, let stuff pass that's, you know, out there, you know, just pass, we don't pass shoot. It's just, we do it right and, and get them in close. And, and, um, you know, for a while, the, the, new, the new club members are like, why are we shooting those? I'm like, hey, they're, they, they're not doing it. We're not just going to pass shoot. Um, you know, I've got a great big chunk of river there and we kind of leave it alone. And, you know, if they don't do it, in the decoys just right we don't shoot them nice. um then they live you know they live there so if they you know if they're just flying by we don't we don't mess with them mm-hmm. awesome so, so what would yeah. you uh what would your advice be to elliot as he still uses the 12 gauges of crutch <laughs> i get become a better shot <laughs> become a better caller <laughs> better decoy spreads uh, quit hunting public. <laughs> yeah, well, quit hunting. Where's the, you give me the invite, and uh, the public will be gone. <laughs> well, we might have to have Around you here. out. We might have we might have to have you out. I got a little more flexibility for inviting guests and stuff. But um, oh, I tell you, there there is enough in a twenty gauge can do you know can't do that a twelve gauge can. So I mean, we, we shoot mostly twenties and twenty eights. It's it, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Huh? I'm right there with you. I, I love shooting my 20 gauge goose duck. It doesn't matter. It's, uh, I mean, honestly, it's my preference. So that's uh super uh, cool to hear. So, yeah. and, and, in our group of friends, people are all starting to go the sub gauge route pretty heavy. And yep. I'm one of the last guys that hasn't. And it's, it's not for any huge reason. I mean, I've got one shotgun I use and I'm shooting great with it. So, I keep telling Jordan if he wants to finance a new gun for me, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll go down. Yeah, well, <laughs> it hasn't it, happened it, yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of guys going to the sub gauges, and 
there's a group of us out there that have been doing it before it was cool. It's just, it's, it's just a lot of fun, you know? Um, yeah. And that's just kind of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, was, I started on my 20 gauge. That's what I've been shooting. I mean, we got, there's definitely some people who are out there, um, like Matt that are posers with a sub gauge, but you know, it, it, it's just, it's part of it. So, um, I get it, brother. I get it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's hear, let's hear a little bit about what's currently going on. I know you're saying before we jumped into the call, you know, uh, you got some spring training going on. Yeah, we, um, so a lot of times in the spring, this time of year, once hunting season's over and everything, um, we, we go south, we, we come to Texas and, um, last year we bought the whole kennel and every train and all the bird, we bought everybody. We shut the kennel down. We all showed up. This year we did a little bit different. We brought um, half the dogs down here, the more advanced dogs, the early season level dogs. We brought them down here with me and another trainer and some helpers. And we left um, Andrew and Chase and some other guys back at the kennel with the other half of the kennel, um, the younger dogs that aren't quite ready for the trip, that sort of thing. And what we do is we get down here, it's just like doggy boot camp. And we, we, we get an early jump to the season. We get in good weather. We get in the water quicker. Um, and we started running some tests down here. Like we ran some, we've run some HRC tests. We ran uh, three, three or four HRC tests. We got like 90 passes already for the year. And um, I'm getting, I'm, I'm training right now. We're getting ready to run the, the, the spring grand here in a couple of weeks. I'll go over there from here. And then once that's all over, we'll move back up north to the main kennel and get after it up there. But this is just a really good head start, head start for those dogs. There's, the dogs on this trip are making leaps and bounds, especially young, the young ones. Awesome. How many, do- how many dogs are you traveling with? We have 42 with us. Wow. So you have, so uh, we have three, <laughs> three rigs. We got 42 dogs. We got three rigs. Um, beautiful grounds, place to stay. I mean, the whole, it, it's really nice. So is the, is the benefit to doing these trips? Cause obviously you have like a, a, a great facility, um, where you train, for the rest of the season? Is it just like meeting up with different people and, and kind of doing it that way? Or what's the main benefit to your spring? We really trips? don't. The, the main benefit is, is just getting out of the weather and, and, and having consistent, consistent weather. Um, like at home, those, those poor guys at home, they're training every day and they're, and they're busting their butt and, and they're doing, you know, they're doing everything they can do and they're getting, but, but when you get the days of the, you know, Western Nebraska Springs, and it's very volatile. And you, you get, you know, there's just on Tuesday, you'll have 50 mile an hour winds for, for no reason. It, it, or it'll snow or it'll do whatever. You, we can't even hardly get in the water up there right now because, you know, the water is still cold. So to get down here and get started is, is a major, major deal for some of these dogs, especially the dogs that are going to hit the test, the test real hard this year. I got a question for you about. It made me think. You got forty-two dogs. Now, mm-hmm. uh, how do you keep track? I mean, I mean, you must have a note-taking system. Like, if you named an individual dog, can you keep in your mind like this dog is struggling with this, or do you have to take keep notes and refer to your notes before you're working with all these different dogs? No, I, I the the twenty-two dogs that I'm training in twenty-four, whatever it is, I know which way they turn when you blow their whistle. Okay. Um, Every one of them. Um, we're with them so much, and we pay attention to them so much. We know their ins and their outs. Um, now, 
some of the dogs that Ryan's training, one of my assistants, you know, he's training, you know, all the younger dogs, and he's doing a great job with them. I don't know those dogs quite as well as he does. Um, and I watch him every day. He, we, we train together every day, you know, but I can't tell you which way, you know, Nova turned or which way Gypsy turned. But now I can tell you which way Chocolate Storm turns. I can tell you which way Flash turns. I, can, I mean, I can tell you everything about them. Um, but so we're just with them so much. Now, when we start running tests, I do a lot of note taking when we run tests because then, it, and, um, you know, if they do something good, I, I, I document it. If they do something bad, I document it. And you can kind of go back and see a pattern on some of them dogs. Um, and yeah, it'll help you too when you get, when you get to where you're going. That's an incredible amount of information retention <laughs> on uh, all it's, those it's, details. It's, That's impressive. It's stupid. It, it's just, it's just, we're just with them so much, you know, it's just, we right. spend so much time with them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I got a, I kind of got a, a question, um, you know, kind of referring back to the hunting season and all that. And obviously as hunters, especially hunters with dogs, there's just times in the season that kind of your dog does something that, that makes your heart, <laughs> you know, uh, glow pretty much you know you're just super proud of them super excited about it you know um do you got any stories from this season um from your dogs just doing anything that was uh awesome um we know you know it's funny is is is, the way we hunt in the north Platte river is it's very unique it's very hard i mean it's not for the faint of heart um you know these little young starter dogs it's not you it's not for them, you know, it's for a more advanced older dog. And, and what I like to see is, um, when, when this was Flash's real first season, like this was his, he, he's hunted before. Don't get me wrong. Then we talked about one of those podcasts. You got to earn it. Well, Jet mm-hmm. passed away at the master national. And, um, so he was done and I got, you know, I hunt Pearl too, but this Flash is my boy. And he rode my back, rides in my back seat, you know, feet in my bedroom, you know, those sort of things. This was his first real, real season to, to be the anchor. And I'll tell you what, he's a fantastic dog. And, and his, from where he came at the beginning of the season to where he came at the end of the season, he was a phenomenal dog. He, he started, he started, um, diving underwater for cripples, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you can't teach that that just comes with experience you know the whole deal you just can't and i love watching a dog like that learn and we had a lot of we had a lot of member dogs club member dogs um really learn the river for the first time and and watching them guys was, was a lot of fun um but but one of the highlights of my year probably is is my oldest son caden he has a dog named spank and spank is now retired from the hunt test world and he's been hunting with Spank for two or three years now. And Spank is a grand hunting retriever champion. He's a master hunter. He's a master national hunter. He's a Hall of Fame dog. So this is my son's first real hunting dog. And and he's spoiled. He's spoiled rotten, man. I mean, you got a grand hunting retriever champion as your first hunting dog. But, I mean, Spank lives with him. He goes to college with him. He lives in his house. I mean, they're buddies. And, and to watch those two hunt together... It is actually super unique. It's very rewarding for me to to watch that. It's fun to watch that bond that he has with him. Awesome, definitely, uh, definitely can see how that's uh, 
super cool. You got your boy and your, yeah, and your dog. Super and, cool. And you got all the history between both of them, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I trained. You know, I trained. It's funny because I so trained Spank from the time he was, was a, looking at. Flash has a a, a, a litter coming out. Or he he uh, was a stud of the litter coming out. And I was looking at um, Grant's picture of Flash that he had on one of his internet site or Facebook or whatever, and that is one of the most gorgeous, impressive looking dogs. I mean, when he's jumping in the water. Dog. No, it's is just one of him sitting up straight and tall. No, it's just him sitting okay, up straight yeah. and tall. Yeah, there's there's one of them. He's jumping in the water. That's just a. My wife took that picture, and it's it's a phenomenal picture, man. I'd love but, to, um, I would love you know, to it, see that it, picture. You know, it's funny because um, you know I built and trained Spank from time he was little to time he is now, and basically built and trained Caden too. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. into who he is now, and to watch those two come together is is very rewarding for me. It's, I'm, I'm proud of both, actually. Awesome. That's yeah, super cool. That is super cool. That's, you know, Georgie this year, this was her second full season of hunting. And for those of you who don't know, Georgie is Flash's daughter. And she dove under one time for a cripple this year on the, was it the last hunt or the second last hunt of the year? She dove all the way under. And I got that on video. And none of my dogs had ever done that. And then she, um, she climbed, she was able to climb up onto uh, an ice shelf for a goose which I had none of my dogs have ever been able to do that either. So yeah, she's got a little yeah. bit of her daddy in her, I think. Well, you know, it's funny because, um, I get to hunt with, um, some flash babies. Um, and it's, 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 it's fun to watch them hunt. It's fun to watch them grow up and it's, it's just fun to watch them mature. And, 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 and Georgie's mother's Isla, right? Yep. I, yeah. So, a really good friend of mine, she comes up hunting with her and her husband come hunting with us and we train with each other a lot. Her dog's name is Linda and that's a flash. That is Georgie's sister. And that Mm -hmm. dog is an HRCH master hunter with a master national pass. And, and, and she hunts with him when she comes up and visits and she hunts with her. It's really fun to do a flash Linda hunt. It's neat. It's super neat to see. Yeah. I mean, and they all have, they all have his, his, he, he really stamps his, his puppies because they're all super, super fast yeah. and athletic and strong. And it, it, we train a bunch of flash puppies and they're like cookie cutters. I mean, they are, they are phenomenal. If I could fill up my kennel with flash jet puppies, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love them. I love them. Yeah, I'm pretty in love with mine. I'll tell you, I've never been around a dog that's got. I feel like every every time we're out, the only thing that's holding her back is me, and I'm trying to improve yeah, that well, all the time. But man, it's. And I'll tell you, that's a lot of that. A lot of that's Isla. We bred Isla. She's retired now, but we've bred Isla a number of times, and we've trained a lot of her puppies. And no matter mm. who we bred her to, every one was phenomenal. Yeah. She's a, she's a great producer, great mama. You know, I want to get into the, the quotes and have you react to them, but one more thing about, about Georgie that amazes me is, and you talked about this actually when I was up there getting Georgie from you, is that you're trying to breed this off switch into these dogs. I mean, Georgie is as high-octane dog as I've ever seen. I mean, when she's she is just all fire when she's retrieving, but you put her in a house and she's completely calm. I mean... She's, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 
Yeah, there's that, not a... that. Yeah, that's a flash trait. Isla's a little more. She's she's a great house dog. Don't get me wrong, but as wound up and as powerful as you watch Flash do his thing, you put him in the back seat of your truck or in the house, you don't even know he's there. Yeah, he goes over to his dog bed, lays down, and that's it. And I'll go. Yeah. It's time to go to bed, and he'll go run in the bedroom and, and jump on his dog bed. You, you don't even know he's around. Yeah. That that's just how George is. Other than a little bit of barking if things are outside, but other than that, my wife's not a yeah. dog person. But and I, I keep telling my wife, I was like, because she's this is the first dog she's had from puppy on. It's like you don't understand how lucky you are that this dog is calm in the house. Because if you get one that's not calm in the house, <laughs> they're rough. They can be rough. Oh, uh, it's no fun at all. It's no fun at all. Yeah, there's one uh, one thing Elliot's leaving out about the home life. Uh, but uh, there's not a video I, I get of Elliot where he's not holding or snuggling Georgie in his lap. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him. <laughs> well, you know, Chris, that this is your wife's fault because when I was up there picking it up, your wife was holding Georgie like a baby, and she said, "Oh, I, I cuddle the dogs like this, and I'm always scratching her chest." And your wife was showing us, and this dog just she wants her chest scratched any second she can. So I blame that one on your wife. <laughs> Perfect. I blame washed up on her. Hope she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Elliot. You want to go ahead and uh, take it away with the quotes? Yeah. So I posted this question on a Facebook um, group, and I just asked, you know, typical things you hear um, dog owners saying, and some of these are just things that I've heard say, and so. Um, and there's lots of debate around these things. There's people going back and forth and, you know, it's Facebook. So there's people acting like jerks to each other and being mean for absolutely no reason at all. But so I thought it would be fun to take these questions and just kind of bring the quotes up to you and you can just give your um, opinion on these different topics. So we've got we've got six of them here. So here, here's here's the first one. Um, I hunted my dog at 10 weeks old. There's no better way to train a dog than in the field. XBS. That's that. <laughs> Moving that, on. That, there's, there's no reason a ten-week-old puppy should be out in the field. How about? I uh, mean, the, and be quite and be quite honest with you, a ten-month-old doesn't really need to be there either. That was going to be my next question because I do see a lot of people say ten-month too, which, um, you know, I've had some buddies even done it, you know, so I'm not trying to knock on them it. too much, but. No, I did it when I was young. I did. I did what everybody did. Yeah. I, I did. I made. I've made more mistakes than anybody has. So when I say that's not a great idea, that comes from experience. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know because I did it. Yeah. So give give us a couple I, of the worst things that can happen. Worst habits dogs can get from being in the in the field at like you know too young. Man, they can come up. They for one, they can get gun shy shoot over their head when they're not ready. Um, they can start mouthing birds. They can start tearing birds up, not listening. Uh, the list is endless. Endless. It, it, it's, a dog should be under control before they go. I mean, it, the list is endless of, of what... There's more bad things that can happen than good. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. You, you take a 10-month-old puppy and you throw him in the river where I hunt, Good luck. You know, they're just not, they're not ready. They're not ready. Um, now, maybe in a rice field where they're sitting there 
and they're watching the birds fall down. They go out and get them in six inches of water and come back. That's a little bit different. Now, if you're going to do that, you better, I think you should either, you know, hold on to your dog or tether your dog, that sort of thing. Because I'm going to tell you, a 10-month-old puppy is not going to be 100% steady. There isn't a 100% steady dog in the world. And in a 10-month-old puppy, man, that's a horrible situation, you know. And, and, and I always get the people that, you know, maybe I want to get the dog. I want to come get my dog September 1st, take a, take a dove hunting. I, I'm like, dude, relax. I see, And you're, you guys may not agree with me on this deal, but the two worst hunts a dog could go on their, entire, their first time is a dove hunt mm. and a teal hunt. And, and here's the thing. When it's dove season, it's hotter than hell. They're flying 100 mile an hour. Um, they don't smell when they do pick them up, all the feathers come off of them in their mouth, which makes the dog chew on them anyway. Um, and they're breaking most of the time. The dog doesn't even see, even see the bird coming. It's just going so fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible situation, horrible situation. And I did it. I've done it. I can't tell you how many dogs I've watched just swallow a whole dove. <laughs> I mean, just in all the feathers in their mouth and they're hot. And then, you know, you shoot one and land in the dirt or whatever. They can't smell it. You know, it, it's just a tough situation. And then another one's a teal hunt, which, which I think probably Georgie probably did this. So pay attention, Elliot. Yeah. But yeah. Um, those birds, it, it, you know how teal hunting is. It's the first half hour. They're coming in so low. They're screaming in. It's dark out. The dog has it's his first hunt. Have they have no idea what's happening? Yeah. They don't see the birds coming. You start shooting. It's dark. The dog's like, "What the hell?" And they and then next thing you know, you send them on it, and they're like, "Send them." I'm going where? They don't even know where to go. They don't know what the, what's happening. Guys are hooping and hollering because there's usually two or three guys or more. It's and it's, it's chaos. And yeah. that's not a good place for a young dog to be. Not a, that's like putting a 16-year-old in a strip joint. It's going to end <laughs> bad. Real bad. And, and that's not a place for those dogs to be. I, the best the best time to take it, don't take them to Canada. I can't tell you. I'm going to come get my dog. We're going to Canada with like 10 guys. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Their first hunt is going to be with 10 guys? And the birds in their face, it, it, you've got to put them in situations, you know, their first first few hunts, you've got to put them in situations where they're going to succeed, where they're going to, you know, you and a buddy, or you can kind of hold on to the dog, let your buddy shoot, let the dog, you know, let the dog see the birds come in, you know, like those hide the mallards that drop out of the sky. You know, they may say, oh, that's, oh, here we go. The birds come out of the sky. You should, I go, ah, I get it now. You know, you get 10 teal buzzing off the top of the water, it, it's just not a good situation. So what, what, how, how would you calculate for just for just the common waterfall hunter, how should they be calculating when they're, they think they should take their dog on the first hunt? What things should they be seeing from their dog and say, okay, I think they're ready to go? Well, they should be obviously conditioned to gunfire for sure, no matter what. Um, they should be steady, uh, but I would still maybe tie the dog down its first few hunts or hold on to the dog, let somebody else shoot. Um, 
it should be mature enough to handle the situation. A 10-week-old puppy is not mature enough. A 10-month-old dog is barely mature enough. And, but that, that you can make that happen in the right situation. Um, mm-hmm. it's a ten, you know, not every situation is right. It's good for a young puppy like that. Um, you know, not too cold, not too hot. You know, it just there's all those all those things that come into play. And, and, and you know, and here's you know, a lot of things, you know, a lot of guys in Colorado or even by us, you know, they goose hunt. A dog to them is just a tool, and they don't even consider the dog seeing birds fall. So mm-hmm. a lot of these times these guys will take their dog for the first time, they'll throw them in the bottom of a pit. And next thing you know, they, everybody sits up, the dog's sleeping in the bottom of the pit, which the dog shouldn't be in there anyway because it's dangerous. But the dog's sleeping in the bottom of the pit. They jump up and they start blasting away. The dog has no idea what's happening. The guy grabs the dog, throws it out of the pit, and off they go. That that's a horrible situation. I mean, the dog should see the birds fall, see him come in, see the birds fall, shoot a bird, go get a bird, bring a bird back. And and, and the people that you're hunting with need to understand that honestly, the dogs the dogs' experience, especially when they're younger should come before everybody else. And, and what I mean by that is, if let's just say one bird comes in, and it's the dog's first or second hunt. Dog actually sees the bird, you shoot it, it falls, the dog goes out and gets it, but there's more birds coming. Hurry, 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 get in, get in, get in. And everybody starts shooting again, mm-hmm. and it's chaos. Or the dog is, is coming back, and you're trying to hurry, so then you forget all your mechanics. Like coming in to heel nicely, sitting down, grab the, deliver the bird to hand, don't mouth it, don't drop. You're more worried about the next bird than teaching that dog and giving that dog a good experience. And I've seen it a thousand times. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it when we were guiding. I'd be like, guys, there's more birds coming. Relax. Let, let him get, let, 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 there's a dog out. Let, let's get the dog back in. And yeah, you may miss on a flock or two or one or two. That's just how it goes. And if you're hunting with people that don't understand that, then you need to find different friends. Because I won't hunt with those people. And I, I think some people, the guys that don't hunt with dogs especially, it's like watching the whole retrieve aspect of it is part of the gratification. You know, that whole process is part of the fun. Well, you it's spent, like, you, know, you, you shoot spent. Them out and you want to, you want to, yeah, you want to see it, do it. You know, you've spent all the money on the dog. You spent, countless hundreds of hours training the dog you've spent all this time and you've stayed up at night worrying about the damn thing i mean and you can disintegrate all your training in one or two horrible experiences of a hunt like i can't tell you how many dogs that we've tried to fix that were not gun shy until they went hunting the second or third time and they put them in over their head and and they would break and somebody would shoot right over the top of the head of the dog and not realize when the dog was even there. And that dog yeah. is gunshot. Now that, that point you know, is a really good lead, really good lead into this next one. I'm going to pose to you. I think it's a perfect segue. So I've seen some guys say my dog doesn't need to be steady. He's a meat dog. I want him to get there as soon as he can. Now, no, no. What's your Why? Then shoot that? better. Shoot better. No, that, that's BS because here's the thing. Especially in a pit uh, or a high back, low front blind that's in the ground, when them dogs will break, they are gun level. 
Yeah. I mean, they're a gun level. I mean, they are, that's so dangerous. I can't, and I know people, I personally know people that have shot and killed their dog because of that. And it's a horrible situation. So. Yeah. I, I, I would add to that too. When a dog's not steady, it, it adds a chaos feeling to the entire hunt. You have all these emotions going on with birds coming in. It adds a chaos feel when a dog's not under control. I'm telling you, I, I put flash in situations. This, this, and, and he's a good dog. There is an entire country. And I put him in situations that I, I don't want to say were too much for him, but there was a lot. I mean, it was chaos, you know, chaos and and that poor damn dog you know they end up start you know he didn't do it but they end up start switching they drop a bird pick up another bird the other bird that they had in their mouth gets away because it's wounded i mean it's just you cause all these problems all because your buddy that you're hunting with can't control his emotions and his actions because he's so worried about shooting the next duck yeah that, that drives me insane you, you you would probably hate to hunt with us because we we take our turns. I mean, we we just you know if a, if a single duck comes in, we do a I call it a hot seat, and I'll be if you're if you're with us and you're coming down the line, say, okay, Elliot, you're at the next single. A single comes in. If you shoot and kill it, great, your dog goes and gets it. That's how it works. If you miss, yeah. then everybody backs you up. It, 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 no, that's a, exactly you know, how we a, do it too. We we yeah, we, we hunt have small groups of guys, and we do it the exact same way. Yeah, I mean, and and it all depends on what kind of experience you want. Are you are you there to stack up birds and take your picture and put it on Facebook and act like a hero? Are you there to actually train your dog, work your dog, have pride in your dog? And and, and if you're hunting with people that don't understand that, then you need to hunt with somebody else. Yeah, my I mean, my dad instilled that in me really really young. He instilled that type of hunting in me, and and we've always said we're we're not there to kill ducks we're there to kill ducks a specific way and it's not just about how many ducks you get it's and when people ask me if they limited my first question to them is were they feet down because there's a huge difference between a limit of feet down and a limit of pass shooting i mean there's a huge difference of success huge difference all right let's go on to the next one um i heard someone say you shouldn't force fetch all dogs some of them can't handle it Oh, that's that's false too. We have force fetch. I can't thousands of them in my 22 years of being a professional, and we have literally force fetch the absolute softest dog you can possibly imagine to the hardest dog that you can possibly imagine. Um, they, I, I personally believe, and this is going to go against everybody that's British dog guys that are listening to this right now. You're wrong. But every dog should be force fed. Um, not, and it's, and it's more than delivering, you know, delivering the bird to hand. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's hard to teach them how to deal with pressure. Um, delivering the bird to hand, of course, not mouthing the bird, not chewing on the bird, not dropping bird. And it also gives you another level of control uh, on that, on that dog. You're making that dog do something it doesn't want to do. And when you do that, you now now you're the alpha. So there's a lot of benefits that come to the force fetching part of it. I think every single dog should be force fetched. We force fetch every single dog. 
And if we have people that call us, hey, I don't want you to force touch my dog, but you need to go someplace else. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do it on an extremely soft dog. You just got to go slower. You just got to go slower. That's all. That's so do you all think that's why people are saying that? Uh, people are saying that because of really soft dogs, and they just don't know. They they just don't know how to handle the soft. They dogs. don't know what they're doing. Uh-huh. The people that say that don't know how to do it correctly, or they don't know what they're doing, or they're afraid of it, um, or they've had a bad experience with some another trainer or another person or another. You know, she. He, I don't know the situation, but something has gone wrong there and, and 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 usually it's ignorant and i'm not trying to say that in a mean way they just don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. and and they all they all can be force-fetched every single dog out there can heck you can force that a german shepherd if you want to i mean they all can do it it's just a conditioning deal but the, the soft uh-huh. dogs just take a little bit longer I've got a side question for you on the force fetch thing. When we did our whole, and if you guys that are listening, if you haven't seen this episode and you're into force fetching, uh, Chris did an entire hour just on force fetch with us. So look back in the archives. It's in a whole hour on it. Now, when you, when we were talking about in the force fetch and you were mentioning the last piece that you do with the dog is you kind of put up the intensity and you hold back onto him and the dogs are like scraping and crawling to get to that bumper. And you're, yeah. you're even hitting a bit of seven. So my, my question is, is this, cause I, I went through that with, with Georgie and not to the level that, that you did. And Georgie did really, really well with it. And I had an instance this year where she broke during a snow goose hunt and she, she was ignoring the e-collar I was giving her. And I hit her with a seven and she ran right through it. And so yep. I was thinking how, if, if through that training process, you're teaching them to continue to push to that bumper through that seven, how does that how does that affect them stopping you being able to stop them on a seven when you're trying to use it? Uh, well, when when you're talking about that, you're holding them back and, and you're making yeah. them drive. That usually doesn't translate into the field. You mm-hmm. think it would, but it doesn't usually make them go faster. Um, now, when when I, we when we talked about you know crawling across the floor and that sort of thing, that's yeah. not for every dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to understand that's not for every dog. These super, super soft dogs, I wouldn't do that. Um, now, the, the flashes of the world, absolutely. And, you know, now mm-hmm. you're at the next level. You know what I mean? That, that's not for every dog. And that's not for every every person to try either. You need to know what you're doing um, on, on that. But with, the, with, with her blowing through a seven, that usually doesn't translate you would think it does, but it doesn't. And obviously yeah. her collar pressure wasn't enough to override her, her desire. Yeah. So and she more, was real close. She was closing in on the bird as I did it. So it's like, she was pretty much right on top of it, but I was just surprised. And I went back, I had it on video. I went back. I was so upset with myself because she was honoring and waiting for my dad's dog and my dad's dog's gotten old. And so she was sitting there steady. And in conversation, I said her name, not realizing that I said her name. And that's the word I use for her to go, which maybe I shouldn't have. And so she was going, I didn't even realize I had said her name and now I'm punishing her with pressure. And I watched back on the video and I just, I was, I was, upset for about a week thinking about i was actually hit her with a seven after i was the one that said her name to 
So, but yeah. anyway, I was curious yeah. about that. Um, cause she ran right yeah. through it. I mean, she was like, yeah, she didn't care. Well, then you need more collar. If she can run through that, you need more collar. Okay. All right. On Actually. to the next one. Um, I got my pup used to gunfire by taking him to the gun club. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Don't ever do that. Don't ever go the skeet range, trap range, or rifle range. That is absolutely terrible. That, that 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 will ruin a dog quicker than you can possibly imagine. So, okay, let's just say you go to um, the gun club, and she's fine for the first five, ten shots, but you're there for hours, right? Now it's boom, 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 boom. It's constant. It's like a soldier who's been in war. One or two bombs going off is okay, but the constant bombing is what set them off, right? PTSD type stuff, right? It's the same thing in dogs. That constant, that constant, constant, constant. And some dogs are like, oh, I'm good with it. And other dogs, it makes it worse and worse, and you can't fix it. And, and, and don't ever do that. Please don't do that. that that's literally the worst possible thing you can do. The worst. Okay, so we've got two more. Uh, looks like Jordan stuck one in here. Silver labs show more ability than black, yellow, or chocolates. Silvers are not labs. <laughs> Actually, the original one. The, I, I do. I want to hear your take on silver labs, but then I, I want. I've got uh, the original was that black is better than yellow chocolate. But give your take on silver labs real quick, because I, I don't. I I have not heard any of the talking points on why silver. They're not labs even labs. They're not even. They're not even. They're, they're not even labradors. Why um, is that? They're crossing a Weimaraner in a, in a lab. Oh, um, okay. It, 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 it started, and I'm going to get blown up on emails about this, but I don't care. It started, and I know the kennel it started in. I can actually name the kennel, but I'm not going to do it. it they, they were into pointing labs. So they brought in a Weimaraner bloodline to start that stuff, and that's where it started. And, uh. it, it, yep. And so that silver starts coming out. And people start buying and go, oh, they're pretty, but they come with a pile of health issues. Piles of them. Hmm. Um, they're just not a very genetically sound animal. And I don't know why you would ever, why are you trying to reinvent the wheel when you can pick a black, yellow, or chocolate? Silvers right. don't, they, you can't even run a silver in an HRC hunt pack. They you don't allow you to just because of genetics? Can. You cannot, they're not allowed. There's, there's only three colors of Labradors, three that are, that are, are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that are recognized black, yellow, chocolate. What if you, uh, and what a if silver, you have a, and a silk, what if you have a silver lab a, that identifies as chocolate? <laughs> We're not even going to go there. You were talking to the wrong person. It's probably a woman swimmer. I don't even know. But, um, you know, you're, I'm, we're not even going there because it could get bad real quick. But they're, they're, and, and, and all them silvers are registered as chocolate. That's why when, if, if, you're, if you're sire and if you want to register your dog with the UKC, which is the governing body of the HRC, if you want to register your dog with them, if your mom and dad, if the sire and dad weren't registered with them, you have to take three pictures of your dog to make sure it's not a silver. Wow. You have to prove it. 
So that, that just was a hot button right topic. There. I had just I had never heard um, what the debate was was on it at it, all. So it's, it's, it's not. It's, it, it, and I know people have them. I get it. I've seen them. They love them. I get it. I, I I get it. But why would you spend that kind of money on a color that's not even recognized? That's technically genetically not sound. They have healthy. It's a designer color, and it's, it's a bad, bad deal. I here's how bad it is. If you're if you're an owner of a silver dog, I won't sell you a puppy. Period. <laughs> I will not breed any of my stud dogs to silver dogs. I won't breed any of my stud dogs to silver factor dogs. The loot they're called the loot. I won't even do it. So I mean. So what? What is your take on to- uh, uh, on on? Pointing black, I've like I've seen black labs that are supposedly be pointing labs. Would all of those have that Weimaraner genetics no, in them? Then no, 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 no. They don't. Um, I've I've actually trained lots of pointing labs, and they're dilute free. There, there's zero dilute in them. They just okay. have that and natural trait. What are your thoughts on the on those dogs that are pointing labs? Man, they're not for me. I've trained a pile of them. Um, to run hunt tests. I got one on the trailer right now. Her name's Grace. She's a wonderful animal. She points. Um, I had one of my best dogs ever trained in my life was Dozer. He pointed. But I, here's how I tell what I tell people. I, I won't train your dog to point. I'm not going to wool break your dog. Now, if we, we start training it and it naturally points or stands game, whatever you want to call it, then I'm fine with it. Whatever. But I, I'm personally not going to make that dog point. Um, I'm not going to woe break that dog. That's not my, that's not my cup of tea. That's not in my wheelhouse. Um, it's just not what we do. I, I, I think personally a lab should flush. Um, but that's just me. And, and that's just me. But I've trained a pile of pointing labs and I've had some great ones. I really have. I've had some really, really nice ones. And, you know, and the owners, and it's so funny, you talk to the owners, you're like, oh, I'm like, does he point? He's like, no. He's like, I don't really care if he points or not. So then why'd you buy one? Yeah. You know, why'd you buy one? I mean, he's like, I don't know. I just thought, I was like, okay. But, you know, if they point naturally, all the more power to them. I just won't wool break them or nothing like that. Do you guys do any upland around your properties out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. this, so this, this I, question... I, it, I'm sorry, a lot. Yeah. I, we train almost all of our gun dogs that we train. They all go through our, our gun dog program. They all do the waterfowl program and 95% of them do the upland as well. So when they go home as a basic gun dog, you can take them duck or goose hunting. If they see the bird fall, they go get it, bring it back and they'll upland hunt too. Now I've heard a lot of people say that they think that black labs are on average better than yellow and chocolates. And I think we've talked about this before, but I didn't remember what your opinion was on that. Do you think there's any difference? This, this I, I'm going to word this very, very carefully. <laughs> I've had great dogs of all three of those colors. I own all three of those great dogs. I've trained some of my best dogs I've ever trained were chocolates. Some of the best were yellow. Um, I, my personal pr- preference is I like black dogs. My purse for me. For, for, for my personal dog, Flash, Jet, Breaker, I can go down the list. They're all black. And I prefer a black dog 
with zero color factor. So black on black, period, mm. like like Flash is. Mm. Um, that's why Georgie's black. Georgie's mom's chocolate, one of the best chocolates I've ever touched. And but that's why she's black because Flash can't even throw chocolate puppies. So so Flash's um, puppies will always be black, all of them. No, always, no matter what color you're breeding to. Oh, always. That's interesting. Now Georgie, if you bred her to a chocolate, you get black and chocolate. Hmm. But but I prefer black labs. I I can name you unbelievable chocolate dogs that I've trained. Unbelievable. That I've made Grand Hunters, we were champions, the whole nine yards. Same with the yellows and same with the blacks. Um, my personal prefer- preference is black. That's just that's what I like. Yeah. Um, now I own every color, but um, that's what I prefer, black dogs. But I, you know, here's 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 the deal, man. A good dog is a good dog. I don't care what color they are, as long as they're not silver or charcoal or champagne or whatever the hell they're trying to do. Black chocolate or yellow. A great dog is a great dog. I, I don't care what color they are. I really don't. Um, but I personally like black dogs. And here's okay, the thing so- with the chocolate. Here's the thing with the chocolates, though. The chocolate breeds, the breedings of the chocolates are getting so much better nowadays. So much. I own two, Barley and Isla. They're as good as you get. They're both Grand Hunter Champion, Master Hunters, the whole nine yards. But they're getting so much better nowadays because back in the, I can't in the fifties and sixties or whatever it was, chocolates was like a designer color, right? It was, they were just breeding chocolates and chocolates to get chocolates. They didn't give, they didn't care about performance or pedigree or health or anything. They just people like chocolate. Well, that killed that really hurt that color. Now there's a group of people in this country that have really come back and made chocolate a force to be reckoned with. And there's some really, really nice ones. Really nice ones. So that's, that's the whole chocolate dilemma or myth right there is, is back in the day, they, they, they basically try to ruin that color because okay, it so was a designer if, if, color. If on average a black lab was a little more solid than a chocolate, it would probably be because of the designer breeding they did in mid-century. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's all it's all about okay. pedigree. It's all it, yeah. it, it, it all boils down to to pedigree, genetics, environment. That's where it all boils down to that. Yeah. Uh, and everybody, you know, I have friends. One of my assistant trainers is he loves chocolate. He's got two of them. One of them was my puppies. So, all right, we've got the last one here. Um, I actually heard a a pro trainer. Well, I'm not sure to what level of make this statement online at one point, but a first time dog trainer is better off not using an e-collar. Um, if they are not schooled on how to use it or they have temper issues or they get frustrated very easily, probably he's, he's probably right. Now, yeah, if, I, th- if I think that was the concern. If he was properly taught how to how to color condition a dog, and he's mentally capable of not losing his temper, then go right ahead. Go right. But ahead. I would say, what would if you're a first time dog trainer over a second and third time? If you're if you're not if your temperament isn't suited to training a dog, I'm not sure what difference it would be whether it was your first, second, or third dog. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's just some people that just that, that, that just couldn't have them. You know, they shouldn't. They shouldn't even be in their hands. They yeah. and I I've, I've seen this in, in quote unquote pro dog trainers been twenty for twenty years. I'm like, how are you getting money? How how are you getting? Who's paying you? <laughs> you know, um, it's it's craziness to me. All the wannabe dog trainers that are popping up nowadays. Um, it, it's it's a it, it's the new social media, and I call it smoke and mirrors. All social media smoke and mirrors. Right. Well, Jordan, that's all I've got on my list. Is there anything you want to add to that or anything you got? No, I think that was a great take on all that and um, some great answers and great discussion. Well, I, hope I, I would just say to everyone right? I, try not to be, I, I try not to be too harsh on some of my answers there, but um, most of us are pretty opinionated on some of that stuff and got to be a little bit careful, but um, – Anyway, well, I think you've uh, you've earned the right to have an opinion on all that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. And I think sometimes people just need to be told, you know, what the actual opinions are. And to me, when people get passionate about a topic, it's much more interesting to listen to because you know they're giving you what's really in their heart about it. So, passion is certainly something yeah. that you obviously well, here, have about training. Yeah, here's the deal, guys. Is is Get off Facebook. I'm telling you right now, if anybody, if there are people on Facebook, and I can I can name 15 names off the top of my head right now, that I I'm on there a lot. I'm just lurking. Every once in a while, I, I, I chime in on Freddie's Freddie's page, but but most of the people on Facebook that are giving you advice shouldn't be giving anybody advice. If you're that good of a dog trainer, how do you have time to sit on Facebook all day and give people advice? Like you don't see yeah. the great dog trainers of the world sitting on Facebook giving advice. When was the last time you saw Danny Farmer on Facebook giving advice? Right. You know, it doesn't happen. So, so everybody's got to take that with a grain of salt. Everybody, everybody's an expert. Everybody's an expert. Well, if you're that good, how do you have time to be on Facebook and, and giving advice at two o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I want to encourage everyone if you are looking for dog help or someone to train your dog or a pup, Flatlander Kennels is the place to go. That's Chris's operation out in Nebraska, and the website is flatlanderkennels.com. And they do have a page on Facebook where you can find information about them as well. And make sure and check through our podcast archives for other times we've had Chris on. I think this is about his, what, Jordan, fifth or sixth time now? He's been on here, something like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been fun. We need to keep doing it, though. We need to come up with some good topics and keep going on it. Heck yeah. We've got plenty of those. I I didn't turn this into a personal counseling session for Georgie because I always... It'd be easy for me to turn this into a, I'm on the couch and you're counseling me through my mistakes and training woes. We're <laughs> stuck deep into pattern blinds still because, <laughs> right now, but we're working. Yeah. Aren't you getting ready to run season pretty soon? You're all about last year. I'm going to run, I'm going to run season nationals. I'm going to win season. Well, I remember that. that. That's that's before I talk to you. 
<laughs> uh, I was actually I was I, I was going to take your advice and I was going to run her in started and I was all set to go and I had a family emergency and I had to cancel last second so I, I wasn't able to yeah. to enter um, I am itching to get her in two seasoned um, but I, so I, I may was, have I to get a tongue lashing first. first yeah well the, I, the, we've got one here in, in Kansas and and I was going to go to that on May 20th when my son's graduating. So I'm hoping I can slip in Sunday just for a one day started. Um, I visited them yeah. and I've got involved in the KCHRC group. I've been going to their trainings. So I'm in with oh, some good, good people. Good, so there's some good I'm people on the right down track. there for sure. There's some good yeah. people down there. How, where, how, where are you in Kansas City? I you? am just north of northeast of Kansas City or northwest. I'm sorry, okay. northwest. Northwest of it. Okay, I got you. I'm about an hour and a half, yeah, hour from Topeka, hour and a half from Topeka. I got you. Yeah, you're in some good area down there. There's some good people down there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on the right track. So I, I plan on getting her into it. I'm nervous about it because uh, I'm oh, going to be videoing uh, it all just, and I don't want to make an ass out of myself. You, but yeah, you put your ego away. Egos yeah, have ruined more dogs than have helped them. I can promise you that. It's just. And it, in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, nobody is going home making fun of you, and and no nobody cares. They're so wrapped up in their own deal, and and in the end of the day, it's just a dog. It's, I, and that has been the experience I've had when when I've when I've gone to the test and I've gone to the HRC group. The people there are fantastic, and and there is not a judgmental feeling. Everyone wants to help you that I've that I've encountered. Everyone wants to help you, and so yeah. it's been great. I'm going to get further involved into it. I I am, and I think she's gonna. I think Good. she's. I'm going to get her to where I want her to. It's just may take longer than than what I would like. But this is the first time I've ever pushed. You know, really put effort into it. So I don't want to rush anything. I just want to go slow and have fun with it. Yep, that's that's the best that's the best way to do it. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, uh, I think this is probably a good way to go ahead and wrap her up, but um we really appreciate you coming on, Chris, and, and uh sharing your knowledge with us and experience and um just appreciate your time. All right, gentlemen, it's a pleasure. Alrighty folks, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting and Chris Jobman from Flatlander Kennels, and we'll see you guys on the next one. See you guys.